Welcome to Mindful Moments of Mars, an audio experience that uses the writings of Edgar Rice Burroughs to explore mindfulness. And explore we shall. Yesterday we did not explore Edgar Rice Burroughs. We talked mostly about Stanley Tucci and his journeys through Italy, his inspirational journeys for, through Italy, uh, a, a journey, a journeys that can inspire us in many ways. Today, we're not talking about Stanley Tucci, except right now. But that's only to specify that we're not talking about Stanley Tucci. It's only, it's only, it's, it's kind of, you know, in architecture when they talk about, I don't know much about architecture, but that will become apparent. They talk about um, where there's not stuff. They, I think they have a word for that. You know, there's like parts of the thing where there's stuff. And then there's other parts where there's not stuff. Like maybe there's a wall and it doesn't have a window. That would be an example of it not having stuff. Or maybe it does have a window, which is a gap in the wall. It's like using not stuff as part of the thing. Are you impressed with my vocabulary? Um, so in, in what we're doing is we're, we're not going to be talking about Stanley Tucci. We are initially we're talking about Stanley Tucci only to specify what we're not going to be talking about for the remainder which is not Stanley Tucci. So I sort of feel like the, the, the absence of Stanley Tucci will be felt um, strongly, perhaps. So what we are talking about is the Chessmen of Mars, and we're plumbing the depths of Gek. Um, Gek is having an emotional experience. He's looking at the world around him. He's realizing that he came from a place where he felt... And, and was told and taught and indoctrinated to believe that his people were the most powerful people and the most important people in the world. And he's just been removed from that small little corner of the world and realized that there is a much broader world than he was ever aware of. And he's coming to terms with that in his own lobster spider creature-like way. And it's a beautiful thing. And I think it's actually um, elevating this story above what it had been, which is a bit of a romp to a thoughtful romp. So it's a thoughtful romp, and we're going to continue. Then he began... We're going to take that, take a little thought about that again, and we're not going to mention Stanley Tucci, except that I just did. Then he began to wonder what was to become of him. No longer would he have many Rikors to do his bidding. Only this single one... And when it died, there could not be another. When it tired, Gek must lie almost helpless while it rested. For anyone who's unfamiliar, Gek is a Caldene. He's kind of like a spider or lobster creature about the size of a human head, maybe slightly bigger. And a Rikor is something like a human body that he attaches himself to at the neck and rides around on. He wished that he had never seen this red woman. She had brought him only discontent and dishonor and now exile. Presently, Tara of Helium commenced to hum a tune and Gek the Caldene was content. That's the song she was humming. Gently they drifted beneath the hurtling moons above the mad shadows of a Martian night. 
The roaring of the banths came in diminishing volume to their ears as their craft passed on beyond the boundaries of Bantum, leaving behind the terrors of that unhappy land. But to what were they being born? The girl looked at the man sitting cross-legged upon the deck of the tiny flyer, gazing off into the night ahead, absorbed, apparently, or apparently absorbed, in thought. Where are we? she asked. Toward what are we drifting? Turan shrugged his broad shoulders. The stars tell me that we are drifting toward the northeast, he replied. But where we are, or what lies in our path, I cannot even guess. A week since, I could have sworn that I knew what lay behind each succeeding ridge that I approached. But now I admit, in all humility, that I have no conception of what lies a mile in any direction. Tara of Helium, I am lost. And that is all I can tell you. He was smiling, and the girl smiled back at him. There was a slightly puzzled expression on her face. There was something tantalizingly familiar about that smile of his. She had met many a panthan. They came and went, following the fighting of a world. But she could not place this one. From what country are you, Turan? she asked suddenly. No, you're not, Tara of Helium he countered, that the panthan has no country. Today he fights beneath the banner of one master, tomorrow beneath that of another. But you must own allegiance to some country when you are not fighting, she insisted. What banner then owns he now? He rose and stood before her, then bowing low. And I am acceptable, he said. I serve beneath the banner of the daughter of the warlord now and forever. She reached forth and touched his arm with a slim brown hand. Your services are accepted, she said. And if ever we reach Helium, I promise that your reward shall be all your heart could desire. I shall serve faithfully, hoping for that reward, he said. But Tara of Helium did not guess what was in his mind, thinking rather that he was mercenary. For how could the proud daughter of the warlord guess that a simple panthan aspired to her hand and heart? Ooh, plenty, plenty to chew on there. Plenty of words, plenty of story ideas, plenty of character development. Ooh, it's 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 worthy of <laughs> worthy of that great the great writer Shakespeare. I would say Shakespeare. What would he have made of all this? He probably would have said, forsooth. <laughs> probably would have said forsooth and uh, then got on about his business. Didn't it? Um, listen, I, I need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, this is just quality... Quality audio experience, and this is like um, the way sometimes Ira Glass will finish an episode of This American Life by saying, listen, I need to go to the bathroom, and then he'll end the episode. Um, let's take a breath.